Conquer local. Come on, George. I'm happy to be here. I help leaders go from anxiety to authority under pressure. And then let's go and get it. It's an ecosystem. The hardest part here is going to be getting me to shut up on this one. Conquer Local with Vendasta. Hosted by George Lee. This is the Conquer Local podcast. A show about billion dollar sales leaders, marketers leading local economic growth, and entrepreneurs that have created their dream organizations. They want to share their secrets, giving you the distilled version of their extraordinary feats. Our hope is with the tangible takeaways from each episode, you can rewire, rework, and reimagine your business. I'm George Leith, and on this episode, we welcome my good friend, Juan Fernandez. Juan is an early stage investor in software startups and also the co-founder and CEO of the Managed Service Providers Growth Coalition. But he refers to himself as the Chief Encouragement Officer, where he invests his time in improving processes, procedures, and empowering individuals to be successful while delivering business outcomes via technology. He's done this his entire career. And he's also the creator and author of the MSP Handbook, which empowers small businesses and personnel to implement the strategies needed to build greater businesses and careers. He's the winner of the Managed Service Provider Shark Tank for the best security and services presentation, and he sits on the CompTIA Channel Development Advisory Council as co-chair. He's on the Forbes Magazine Technology Council and CompTIA Infrastructure Certification Advisory Committee. Juan has also worked with many other channel companies to develop the future of technology and everything as a service models. Juan Fernandez, coming up next on the Conquer Local Podcast. Juan, your background looks way better than mine because you're, oh, well, that's a picture. You're not really on a beach. I was like, thank you for making some time to come on the Conquer Local Podcast and you're on a beach. But you're working as always, so thanks for joining us. Hey, it's it's a wonderful pleasure to be here. And you know, the funny story about that picture is I'm supposed to be on a beach, but the pandemic stopped my it dashed my whole beach dreams. And so my wife built this room, which you can't see, is full of nothing but beach photos to make me feel like I am on a beach. So there's the funny story of the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. And you know, when you and I first met was at the height of the pandemic. Our friend Jay McBain was putting together a panel. Um, he wanted a bunch of really smart people and uh, one person backed out. So then he called me. Um, but you were one of those very smart people that were on the panel. And, uh, you know, I think as we've been able to spend more time together over the past couple of years, uh, we're, we're cut uh, from pretty much the same cloth. So it's really great to have you on the show. And thanks for making the time. I, you know, as I promised, I was going to get you on the show at some point in time. Um, right now... You've got this great new title, and I love it, Chief Encouragement Officer. So you are the CEO. Yeah. And uh, tell us about the MSP Growth Coalition. You know, uh, obviously, I came from the managed services space, and one of the big things that I recognized during that time was, you know, the thing that was really important for me, I I know, you know, building businesses is wonderful, building new products, new services, new go-to-market strategies is excellent. But a lot of that comes from process and that process also empowers people to be successful right and so what i found was as unlocking the true potential of people was really like kind of one of the things that really drove me to build bigger businesses you know so that process and empower people to be successful build wonderful cultures which 
propelled uh, you know the MSP I built from zero to about twenty million in a very in six years. You know, and so and it was all about the people. And so I found that empowering them was really my calling, right? And so the next business that I came out, I decided to help MSPs with after I exited that MSP. I figured, you know, why don't I come and help MSPs figure out exactly how to unlock true success? And in that, I found that this the CEO role was really chief encouragement officer. It was really encouraging others to be successful and cheering them along their journey and helping them unlock success. So it was just a natural uh, thing that happened. I remember the day I put the badge on and I wrote that title and people were like, I love that, man. I need some encouragement. Can you help me? And I was like, this is spectacular. This is exactly what it was meant for. You know, I, over the years, I've had the privilege of working with some amazing CEOs, chief executive officers, and, and I think you nailed it. The, the reason they were great was because they were chief encouragement officers. They recognized they needed to build great teams and uh, then they need to be there to help empower those teams to accomplish the goals and, and to keep them on the rails of what good looks like. So managed service provider is the acronym MSP. And uh, I'm, tr I'm trying to kill acronyms. Uh, Elon Musk and myself are trying to kill acronyms. I don't know them. I just like saying Elon <laughs> Musk because it makes me sound smarter. Um, but managed service providers for folks listening, you probably have dealt with a managed service provider over the years. Would you be able to help our audience that don't understand what a managed service provider is? Explain that business. You know, and so for those that, that are here that uh, are, you know, have a business in this new modern world that you need technology. And, and when you require technology, you have to lean on the expertise uh, of those types of people. Well, now, Managed services providers are, are basically companies that you would reach out to that would offer up products and services, support, supplies, you know, a product, you know, and applications that you use to run your business. And then they would come in and manage that for you. So instead of hiring, you know, let's say your nephew or somebody that you know, it's most likely you're going to hire a business and a business that provides you that service is called a managed services provider. So it's really a technology company that's offering solutions to you. It's just if they manage it for you, then they're considered a managed services provider. Now, we've talked about this a number of times. Let's get it out on the table for the, the audience. As, as technology is democratized so that it's easier for people to get a hold of, doesn't necessarily mean it's easier for them to make use of it. So having somebody that can come in and set it all up and make it all work together. So when I think managed service provider, and I'm sorry if this is an old analogy, but I think you know somebody with a truck and there's a ladder on the top of it and they come in with spools of cable and stuff like that, and they make all of the crap that I need to run a modern business work. And so it, I, don't, I hope that's not offensive to anybody, but that's what I think of. Yeah. But then what I also think evolving. of, well, but then what I also think of, and this has been recent, is the level of trust that that individual has with the business owner. Yeah. Because I've been, I've been working with businesses my entire career and I would come in and give them a plan for their marketing and their advertising and then their website design and then their search engine optimization. And I'd always have to ask them for the passwords in order to get in and get into the back end of the website. But I think a lot of the managed service providers, they actually have the password to the network or to the system because they built the thing. So my this is my long-winded way of saying, as technology comes together and you've got people that are providing MarTech solutions or they're providing IT solutions, there might just be one trusted advisor. And I think that you're playing on the team that has the most trust. Do you agree with that? 
hundred percent. I talk a lot about that. Normally, my background is is a is a conference room table, and the reason for that is is they're the trusted advisor, right? That's the trusted technology solution provider, right? They become part of your business, and they become part of as as a real trusted partner. Like I require technology to run my business, so. I need you at the table to have business strategic conversations so that I can use technology to become a competitive advantage or use it in some meaningful way. Technology is not just utility anymore. Now it's, you know, all these different things that businesses require, you know, and they use those to build, you know, their empires. So it's really interesting to watch how the managed service provider was one one day, just a guy that came in to put the wire in. And now it's really more of a strategic advisory inside of your organization because you require it. The other night we uh, had a pitch party here. We do uh, an event every six weeks for the local community. And sometimes it's research and development. It's the, you know, the software developers and sometimes it's marketing and then other times it's sales. And we had this pitch party and there was a gentleman that stood up and his pitch in 60 seconds was he was a technology provider and he could make all the stuff in our homes work together. And there wasn't anybody in the crowd that didn't want to buy what he was selling because all of us have this problem of making yeah. it all work together. So if we have that problem in our homes, yeah. imagine what it's like in a business. So when you sit down at that boardroom table and you're advising a managed service provider, what are some of the biggest problems that you're helping them solve? You know, it's interesting. So as you mentioned early on, right, you know, technology people are very technical. And the conversation that has to happen with the customer at the boardroom is very business centric, right? So oftentimes there's a chasm there. And, and that's what I really help MSPs do and managed services providers do is have business conversations. You know, how to talk to people in, in an outcome-based methodology or a business-based, you know, opportunity, because we can get really technical and start talking about firewalls and switches and routers and all of the tech, because that's the world we live in, but not this is how, you know, here's security and compliance and regulation. And here's how it impacts your business in the bottom line. So that's kind of what I do at the Growth Coalition is really help them understand the business conversations to have with businesses so that they can understand what's really, truly important for them. You know, there's an interesting story from your background that I that I'd hope we can get you to share, um, because the one thing that that we talk about on this show over the last five seasons is that if we're going to be that trusted advisor and we're going to continue to grow in our careers, we have to adopt, uh, you know, a percentage of our day has to go towards learning. And I know that you are a big advocate of learning, but there's a, this great story about how you took a test once and it didn't quite go so well. And now you're the person that actually writes the test. Could you tell us that story? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think anybody that starts off in, on any journey in life starts off somewhere. And my, my, my journey is no different. I just share it more uh, in hopes that I can encourage others to also, you know, find hope in the fact that there's, you know, an opportunity in everything that happens, even in failure. And, and I was no different, right? I started off in tech. I wasn't supposed to be in tech, if you will. I was supposed to be in trades. I was raised in a very rural community and and in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And we, you know, most of my family had been in trades and, and worked really hard. Um, not necessarily very educated, not necessarily not educated, but their definition of success was anything that I can do. So you can do anything one, but only really what I can do is really what they were saying. It's like, I don't really know how to tell you how to do something other like be an astronaut or something like that. So I found that 
you know, I wanted to do tech. That was kind of where I was. I was working in a loan company and I remember leaving that to go start this thing. I remember AOL showed up and I decided, you know, I told my girlfriend at the time, I'm going to leave this really good job over here to go start this internet thing. I think it's going to be a, a, a something that I should do. And I remember everyone telling me, oh, it's a fad one. Don't do it. The internet's not going to be around. Like go focus on a real job, take a 20 year job, go to the military, do something that has a future, not the internet. And uh, it was interesting because as I got there, um, I realized that I didn't know anything about computers. And so I decided, you know, one day to, to take a, you know, a test. And at that time it was called a CompTIA plus. They were like, you know, I was really good at customer service, but I couldn't fix everyone's problems. And I said, there's something I got to figure out here and that's how to solve their problem. And if I don't know everything about it, how can I solve it? So I went to go take this test and I remember everyone saying, you know, you're not going to make it one. Like you're not smart enough to do that kind of thing. And I took the test and, and then I failed the damn test. Right. And I was like, oh, God, they were right. You know, and everything started coming in and piling up. Think, you know, all those words from everybody saying you can't do this. And I was like, maybe I can't. And uh, at the time, my girlfriend was like, and now my wife. Right. She was like, you can't you can't let that get you down. You need. And we didn't have money back then. We were super poor. Like I was like 17 years old. Like I didn't have no money. So. I decided to go take that test again and then I passed that test. But, you know, the reason that I failed it the first time, it wasn't that, you know, I got in my head saying, oh, I don't do good at tests. Everything everyone says, I don't do good at tests. I don't do good under pressure. I'm not good at studying all these things. I made all those same excuses and it was BS. I just didn't study hard enough. Like I just I was like, all right, you're lying to yourself, dude. Come on, seriously, get with it. So I studied really hard. And I went back and I passed that test. And immediately that the moment I unlocked something called you can. And I just kept on. I was like, really, can I do this? Is like, is I am I really smart enough to do this? And then I just kept on feeding off of that. And I remember everyone telling me I couldn't do it. And I, every time I would just use that as fuel. And I was like, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to do this. And I kept doing it and I kept doing it. And more and more certifications I got, the more and more I, I kept climbing up that ladder. And it was interesting because then like it just really unlocked this really this I can initiative inside of myself. And it was funny because years later and I this was like the crowning glory of my of all of the things that I think I've done. I remember the day that CompTIA called me. It was like, can you explain to me why you're taking the test so many times? <laughs> and I was like, uh oh, I might be in trouble. And I thought they might be thinking that I was trying to hack the test because I had taken my A plus like, I don't even know, six times. And normally that's not, they were like, why are you doing that? Like you were grandfathered. Why did you do that? And I was like, everywhere I go, I challenge the people that are around me to take the test. And if they can pass with a higher score than me, I'll pay for the test. And they were like, wow, that's an interesting initiative. <laughs> and so I had my A plus and my security plus and my network plus and all these other tests a multitude of times. And it just didn't make sense. So they, they invited me to come and help write the test. And I remember that moment. It was just like probably one of the most proud moments. I was like, this test owned me. And this now I get the chance to actually help write this test was just absolutely baffling. And so it was just one of one of my most proudest moments, man. So I, I really look back on that. And, you know, I encourage people that and that's why I tell the story, right? The test that one day owned me. Now I own it. Right. I, I've written it. I write it continuously. I've been writing it for years now. And uh, it's a really proud moment for me. We should buy the rights and have Drake playing in the background, started at the bottom. Now I'm here. Um, I love that. I love that story. 
And so now here we are, you've written a book. Let's talk about the book. Yeah. The MSP Owner's Handbook, Definitive Guide. Yeah, the Definitive Guide, man, it's right here. You know, uh, it was interesting as I started helping MSPs, you know, and speaking on stage a lot, obviously, George, we've shared many a stages together talking about, you know, that thought leadership about, you know, how to empower us to be successful. And I, I just felt like I wasn't able to answer everyone. Like so many people have so many questions and it was like, you know, I can't be one thing to everybody. And so I, I felt, look, let me just go ahead and create this content and get it out there. And then they can go and read it and they can take all that mind share and they can feed off it and they can unlock success. And then they can report back how it's working. And, you know, I thought originally, let's just do this and, you know, maybe we'll sell a couple books. At least it'll get, you know, I'll be able to hand this down and be like, here you go. And ironically, you know, when I said that, I said, you know what, here's the thing I'm going to do instead of I don't need the money. I'm doing this to help. I'll take the money from the book. I'll put it in a fund. And for those people that struggle like me to get certified, we'll take that money. And if they write a questionnaire and fill out some information, we'll actually pay for their certification and champion them through the product. Because I've been doing that for years with with young young folks and uh, helping them and sponsoring them through and you know supporting certain people that have a good story that are just looking for some help. As always, I always launched it uh, called Thanks for Giving. And so I would always give away vouchers during this time of year, which I'm still doing. And I've been doing it for a multitude of years. And I just follow people through their journey and, and just cheer them on in the background. It's just something I wish somebody would have done for me. So when we wrote the book, I thought, eh, maybe we sell a couple, we'll sponsor a couple of vouchers. And then it just blew up. Like the channel just came at that thing like a Mack truck. And uh, it started a whole nother business that I didn't know I needed. Um, and now the MSB Owner's Handbook is is doing really well. And we're, we've raised almost $30,000 to be able to give back. And here in December, we're going to announce a big announcement uh, that we're going to be able to start offering that back. We've got so much outpouring of support from so many different people that want to get behind the initiative of just helping people find, you know, opportunities to get into tech. And we're able to sponsor those now. And I'm really, really excited about what this has done. It's helped so many people. You can find it on Amazon. Uh, this version is actually the QBR edition. There's five other books that are coming behind it. Uh, we're almost done with book number two, so we'll be working on that over the break here in December. But it's been really awesome to see how many people have been helped by that. And um, it was really all the strategies that I take, profess and preach on how to really, you know, move a customer from stagnation to digital transformation and the whole process of doing that. So it's a. Uh, something I felt like everyone needed. I didn't want to start at the beginning on how to start a business. You've already got one. So it was more along the lines of, okay, here's the part I need is the strategy on how to grow my business. And let's start with the strategy, lay some foundations on it. And that's where the QBR edition, which is quarterly business review um, came from. So, you know, a lot of those lessons from when you grew a managed service provider from zero to $20 million in a six year time period, which is an amazing growth trajectory. Two things that I know that you're really passionate about. Um, and, you know, some people might argue that the, the first uh, saying customer success is a buzzword. Um, I think it was yeah. invented about four or five or six years ago where it's not customer yeah. service anymore. It's customer success because that's the outcome yeah. that you're trying to drive for the customer. Yeah. But you also have this idea of employee success. And, and you probably have heard me say a few times over the while, the way I look at it, 
Our teams, the employee, the team of employees, that's our most precious resource because without that team, you can't serve the second most precious resource, which is the customer. Some people will say the customer is the most important resource. Okay, I get it. It's very, very important. But if you're a big company, you got to have a team and they have to find success as well. So how do you tie customer success and employee success together? You know, it's interesting because I actually was having a long conversation about this last night and somebody asked me a similar question and I, I they, you know, I said that during the pandemic, you know, I, I, I can look at a couple of, I can talk to MSPs now and I say, what was your, what was your employee retention during the, during the pandemic? And they'll tell me, you know, a percentage of a number, or maybe they'll tell me, you know, you know, some, some, some deliverable number. And then I'm like, okay, what was your customer churn during the similar time period? And they'll tell me a number. And usually those numbers are very indicative, right? Mm -hmm. So when I look at two things, I say, if you even have a number during that time and you can't explain it, that tells me a couple of things that tells me if I have employees that are leaving, that I probably didn't have an employee success mechanic on the back end. I didn't focus on that. Like I don't have an employee success journey and a lot of employees voted with their resi with their resignation, right? Mm -hmm. Their employment. They said, you know what? I don't see myself being successful here at this organization. So I'm going to go find somewhere where, where I do. And so I often look at those and I'm like, okay, well, how many employees did you lose? And they're like this many. And I'm like, why? They're like, I don't know. I'm like, because you don't have an employee success program. It's because your employees didn't see you being successful. And if I don't see myself being successful in your organization, what does that do? That taints my desire to want to come into work, which ultimately bleeds into how I'm going to respond to a customer, right? Mm -hmm. So if I don't have that, how can I expect to have an, a customer success journey? Like you talk about customer satisfaction, like that's one measurable, but that's not a program, right? That's not, that's not telling me that I have an actual thought out customer success machine that actually delivers something. Because if you did, you'd have an employee successful because that's where it starts. So if I got a lot of customers that are going away and I got all employees going away, that tells me all I need to know. I'm like, you have no process for success at all. Right. So it's really interesting. And then they're like, well, how do I get one? And I'm like, you have to start at the beginning. Like you have to like go through that journey. Like when you onboard an employee, do you have an employee onboarding that's even documented? Like most people don't, right? It's like, mm -hmm. and I know many of us, because my daughter's going through it as she's a new hire right now. She's like, I'm like, so how's the employee onboarding going? Because usually when I, I can ask that question of an employee or an employer and just get different answers. And she's like, oh my God, it's so 1980s. And I'm like, okay, so that, this is a lot of what we hold on to, right? It's like, it's good enough, right? And that's really danger ground for a modern workforce. The reason that the marketplaces are what they are and all these new technology aspects are is because we have a new type of employee, we have a new type of customer, and we have to be cognizant of that. So what used to work has changed drastically over the pandemic. I don't need to tell you that, George. We, we constantly talk about change in the markets, right? But connecting those two together, they're not separate. Like That's the thing I think we make the mistake of assuming is that well, I'm going to focus on this customer success opportunity. It's like, well, how am I going to deliver that? I can't deliver that autonomously. I need people, even still today, even in technology land, we're not there yet. So that's some of the focus I would say that most people need to connect the dots on. 
You know, I you just got me thinking about a shot that I took once, and I think it was a calculated risk, but it needed to be said. And we've known each other for a while. You know, I'm probably straightforward to a fault sometimes. But the CEO of an organization we were working with, and we sat down after I spent a week with the organization, and, and I'd always thought that the CEO was next level. And one of the things I was impressed with was he was like, here's somebody who has not worked with us before, just spent a week with our teams. I'm going to ask them what they think. Um, and yeah. my one piece of advice, I said, you know, if I was sitting in your chair, I'd be looking for a new head of HR. And I had only spent one coffee talking to that individual and it was not about the individual. It was more about the issue. And the issue was they were still hiring for the company that they were and not the company that they wanted to be. And, uh, you know, that that is an it's an interesting thing that you talk about there. If we want to have a customer obsessed organization, are we hiring people that have that skill set of being customer obsessed? And then how do we onboard right. them and how do we train them and how do we uh, give them uh, success metrics? It's all tied together. And so it, it's I love the way that you articulate that message, because a lot of times when we go into organizations, whether it be managed service providers or it doesn't matter, insert company here, yeah. they do not have a customer success motion. They are not measuring uh you know, NPS, net promoter score to see if people like them or not. Right, right. And then they're definitely not even measuring that for their internal teams. And, and I think that the internal teams, those are customers too. They're just internal customers and they have to be as bought in because they're the ones on the front lines talking to your clients. So I, I love the way that you articulate that. The book, we're going to put all of the links in there. Here's one of the things I've always been impressed with Juan since the day that I met him. He gives so much back. And uh, as a result of that, you've been enormously successful in your work with numerous managed service providers, but we also have one more thing that we have to talk about, and that is your other gig where you are really yeah. embedded into cybersecurity. So can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, my other gig is uh, the Global Channel Chief uh, for Hackware. It is a cybersecurity education and awareness company. Again, back to my roots of education, right? I think that um, the true role that a managed services provider or a technology solution provider, or anybody that's in tech, I came from that, right? When I first started at a company called AOL, my job was to help people understand what there was on the internet to actually be able to deliver, you know, some sort of attraction, right? And so in that it was like hey well you know you go to these places or do these things and have this fun and like here's the things that are specific to you and i think that we lost that along the way you know i don't think you know all of us we got on the internet super fast and i always do this and i love to to raise this question in a large audience and say how many of us here know how to get on the internet appropriately raise your hand if you know how to get on the internet like if you know how to do this like you're like oh want i know how to get on the internet it's like no none of us None of us, there's no manual for that. Like it just happened, right? And that's even more concerning when we think about our children. And so one of my big passions is education. I think we should be educating the world about cybersecurity. We should be educating everyone about the opportunities so that we can protect ourselves and our families from it. And that's one of the big initiatives with Hackware. And I'm really excited to, because that's a wonderful, spectacular team. Jump over to hackware.com, look at all the wonderful resources, even if you're just a business owner or you're a person just in life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness, 
it's important for us to understand our social responsibility, um, what that means to ourselves, to our businesses, to our families, to our loved ones. We all have a responsibility. And now we're just having to like learn these new ways of doing things and like, you know, what does the internet mean to me and to my business? And how do I protect my family from it? I know we all have, if you have children, you know what I'm talking about. Like all of us are probably somewhat a little apprehensive knowing what they have access to and the things that they're doing. Are we giving them the right education? And that's where I think for me, I take it super responsibly to say, look, I'm going to help every, you know, the technology solution provider and anybody that wants to listen, learn about cybersecurity education. And that's really what Hackware's mission is. And I'm, I'm really proud to be there and, and help them grow that. Well, and all we have to do is look at our inbox and there's somebody in there trying to hack us uh, pretty much on a daily basis. So it, it is something top of mind. We don't have to go too far to find companies. And I mean, very large organizations sh that should have their shit together that have been shut down for six, eight, 10 months in components of their business because they've been hacked. So this is definitely something that we need to be paying yeah. attention to. And I'm glad that you're on the education side of it because that's where it lines up. Ladies and gentlemen, my good friend, Juan, the Chief Encouragement Officer, the MSP Growth Coalition. We're going to put all of the great connections to get a hold of Juan uh, in the show notes. And we, we did it, my friend. We got you on the Conquer Local podcast. We got so it. We did it. We appreciate your time. And uh, <laughs> it's been great speaking to you. You too. It's wonderful to have you, George, and to be here with you. Thank you, man. It was a pleasure speaking to my good friend, Juan Fernandez. Juan focuses on the process of empowering people to be successful. For instance, helping managed service providers unlock success and building great teams. It's something worth mentioning, the importance of educating people about cybersecurity. It's up to us to understand our social responsibility and what it means to ourselves, our families, and our communities. And you can tell that Juan is very passionate about giving back to the industry that has made him so successful over the years. If you liked Juan Fernandez's episode discussing empowering managed service providers in achieving success, let's continue this conversation. Check out the episode 415, Analyzing the IT Channel with our own Andrew Down, or episode 320, Defining SaaS Channel Partners with Janet Shine. Please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to the podcast. And thanks for joining us this week on the Conquer Local podcast. My name is George Leith. I'll see you when I see you. You've been listening to the Conquer Local podcast presented by Vendasta. Tune in next week for a new episode. Guest discovery and produced by Sullivan Adams. Marketing by Rory Lawford, Nicole Lozon, and Sullivan Adams. Executive producers, Brendan King, George Leith, and Sullivan Adams. Recorded at Vendasta headquarters on the Canadian prairies.